0: Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. It's I just need to say something though before we get rolling on this uh, last Sunday of Christian Atheist. Uh, just a, a huge thank you to all those that have been uh, working so hard the last several weeks as we've been trying to get this thing put together. And uh, we put, I don't know if you noticed, but we got three basketball hoops uh, put up in the parking lot. Uh, we're making some strides by getting the walking trail, um, hopefully getting that rolling here pretty soon. So it's all part of our e 3 uh, plan, the, the plan to try to impact our community and some of that needs uh, to be what we're doing here in the building. Um, as soon as we got the basketball nets up, I think it was Friday night, the young adults were out here having a, a little fire and uh, neighborhood kids were already on it, shooting baskets and uh, came in yesterday morning, we had a leadership team meeting and uh, so those kids were back and some other kids showed up and so that's what we're trying to do trying to make it a place where people are comfortable to come on our campus and uh, to be around our building and and then maybe even we have our people out there from time to time interacting uh, with them and and seeing if we can't encourage them to uh, at least build some relationships and then maybe even see them come to christ and be a part of our church family and growing spiritually and so but a huge thank you he's not in here And so it's probably good because he'd probably be, oh, you don't have to. But huge thank you to Clark. Uh, He is kind of the one spearheading this. He told me, Pastor, I want, you need to take a break from running, all that kind of stuff. And so let me do it. And he's been doing it uh, and doing a great job. And so I I really appreciate uh, Clark and everybody who's been involved. Sometimes it's even like a, hey, we need some extra help right now. And people are coming over and helping out. And so I just appreciate that and everybody doing that. Anyways, so we're finishing up our series, Christian Atheist, and I think some of us are kind of like, oh, so glad we're getting done with that. You know, it's a little bit, um, you know, convicting at times, right? And so it's, uh, but it's good. It's a good challenge for us. So what do you think? We've been doing something a little different here. We don't start with a sermon bump, as we call it. We've been looking at like top 10. So what do you think are the top 10 things that people share in social media? All right, we get... We're just throwing up on one slide this morning. So when people talk and do social media, that could be anything from Facebook to Snapchat. I always want to say Snapchat. Chat. I can't even say it. Um, you know, and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So here's the top 10 things that people share. They'll share pictures, right? And so if anybody has Facebook, you understand that. You probably have your own you know, profile pictures that you change from time to time. Opinions. A lot of people share a lot of opinions on Facebook and some of us uh, may get involved in those opinions and then pretty soon you got this whole debate going on, right, on Facebook. Status updates, you know, what are you doing or how are you, you know, how they're doing things. Uh, It's interesting, well, we'll, when we get down there, it's kind of interesting. Links to articles, I'm guilty, I've done that a few times. Uh, Personal recommendations, hey, I went to this restaurant and it was really good, or I went to this place and it wasn't really uh, too good. News items, links to websites, uh, links to people's posts, more status updates, how they're feeling. You know, Harold's feeling sad today, in his little sad face, right? And video clips, again, I've been kind of guilty of that. You know, and we kind of poo-poo the whole social media thing, right? But social media is important. Um, and so let me just ask you this question. If, if I were to talk to your friends, or if you were to talk to my friends, and I were to say, hey, what, what's important to so-and-so? They'd just take what they have up on social media. What's important to them? What would people say? What, what would people think of who we are? What's important to us based off of social media. Again, we kind of give it a hard time, but employers will look on social media to find out who you are. I've done it. <laughs> when we were looking to hire Jason, I mean, I knew Logan. Obviously, Logan was part of our church family. But I was looking at people to take our pastoral resident position. No sooner did I get their information than I go up on Facebook and Instagram to find out who are these people and what are they all about. I don't know if they still have the stuff up there from where uh, the the church that Jason was at before, but he's led singing. So I'm just just throwing it out there. You can kind of do the research, stalk him, and find out where he's at and how he's leading uh, singing, which I thought, I've done it too, but I changed ministries. Um, Actually, I was asked to change ministries. Anyways, so this morning's message is not about social media, but if you're following me, you probably know where I'm going with the message this morning, unless Caleb's already, yes, yeah, see, Caleb's already working behind the scenes there. So we're finishing up our, our Christian Atheist series, and we're looking at another area, and we've kind of looked at some four general areas, and we're looking at another one, and it's, it's this. You can go to the next one. Christians live like atheists when we fail to share Jesus or the gospel with people in our lives. See, we're the ones who are saying we believe there's a God. Not only do we believe there's a God, but we believe that that God has saved us through faith in Jesus Christ. And when we fail to share that, then we're acting as if, God doesn't exist because that's something that we are commanded, which we'll talk about this morning, to be doing. And so, when when, we're, when we say we've placed our faith in Christ, we're actually saying that we have the information that everybody else needs to know about how they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with God Himself, and and how they can have Him in their life, providing for them and protecting them, and and then when they die. They can spend eternity with him in heaven and not have to experience the judgment of hell. And so the question then for us to answer is, and for you and me, are you telling the people in your life who need to know Jesus about the gospel? Is that a, an active part of your existence? Is that something that you're praying about and considering through the week and how you might be able to do that? And sadly, the answer typically to that question is no. And the reason for is because I, d- I don't know what to say, which, again, I, I've said this before, this is, that's, it's a little dangerous because if you're not sure what to say, then how do you know that you've truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Depending on what survey you read, it's anywhere between 95 and 97% of those who've said they've placed their faith in Christ have never shared the gospel with somebody else. And so I thought, that's kind of interesting. What would that look like with our church? So our church, we have about you know 240-some people who would say that Grace Point is their church. And uh, let's just say that 75% of those people, which, by the way, is a huge percentage, but let's just say 75% of those people have truly placed their faith in Jesus Christ. It's about 180. I think I did my math right. If I didn't, I apologize. But here's, it. because I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know, I don't really deal with numbers, but um, that means less than 10 people in our church family, if we're like any other regular church that's preaching the gospel, 10 percent, less, less than, not 10 percent, less than 10 people have shared the gospel with somebody else. I don't know about you, that just... That's sad. That's scary. That's exactly not what's supposed to be happening in our lives. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to give you some information that, I'm, that I, my prayer is that what Jesus tells us this morning, this will motivate you, that you'll take the steps necessary, these are kind of like pre-steps, maybe if you want to call them, to sharing your faith, that this, this will motivate you. You'll be like, no, I can do this. I can, I can step out. All right, so you guys ready? You're excited? Two of you are ready to go. So that's fine. The rest of you guys. So here's the first motivational point. All right? Now, some of you guys are going to know this. It's commanded. It's commanded by Jesus that we who are his disciples, those of us who place our faith in Christ, are disciples, we're students of his, we're followers of his, and he's commanded us that we would do this. So, Let me refresh our memories. This is out of Matthew 28, starting in 16. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee. So this is after Jesus died on the cross, three days, right in the tomb, and then he rose from the dead. So he's defeated sin, he's defeated Satan. We can have our sins forgiven, we can be free from sin's impact, we can have freedom from hell, because Jesus rose from the dead. And so they went to the mountain, which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but here, you know, this is interesting. So here's his disciples. They worshipped him, but some were doubtful. They were hesitant. Is this really Jesus? I mean, really? He said he was going to rise from the dead, but did he really? This, is this him? Again, it's, it's good to know that disciples even struggle at times. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he has all authority. He's God. So he's always had that. But now as Jesus Christ, he has all authority because he has died and he has risen from the dead. He's defeated, like I said, sin's impact in our lives. It's power in our lives. It's, it's uh, eternal consequences in hell. He's taking care of all that. He's defeated Satan and sin. So because of that, he says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And again, this is a changed life. God, when, when When God saves us, He doesn't keep us where we're at. We come to Him as we are, but then He changes us. He tries to get us to have our lives transformed. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus commands us to make disciples. That's the main verb in these verses. To make disciples, to to cause someone or help someone become a, a student, a pupil, a follower. That's what that word disciple means. And so if you're here this morning, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are a disciple. And when Jesus gives instructions most of the time to the disciples, he's talking about all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. So once they've done that then, once a person has placed their faith in Christ, we've been able to share the gospel with someone and see them accept Christ, then it's our responsibility to make sure that they're baptized. Now, the other two campuses are doing baptisms today. We're not. We have people who could be, but they couldn't do it today. And so we're going to hold that off until January, February, whenever next time we have baptisms are. So they're doing that down here. We do it up here. We've seen numerous people get baptized. It's right down there, by the way. So it's in our platform for those that may not be aware of that. But we're supposed to baptize them, to to fully immerse them in water. That, That doesn't save them. It's just a public proclamation of what God's already done in them, who they are. That God's Holy Spirit has come in and washed them out and cleaned them, and given them spiritual life, and so they rise to new life in Christ, just like Christ rose from the dead to live for God, as Romans 6 tells us. And so we baptize them, and that's our responsibility, and it's our privilege, and it's an exciting Sunday when we can do that. But it's also that we are to teach them, teaching them everything that Jesus commanded. And so there's this process of helping people understand what does God's Word say about what it means to follow Jesus Christ? It's one of the reasons why we're doing this Christian-atheist thing, because there are Christians who they're not really sure what to do or, or maybe they don't think they need to do it or whatever the case, and so we're, we're instructing. But it's interesting, it's, it's not just me instructing or Jason up here instructing. This is said to, to all the disciples. We're supposed to instruct them what Jesus talks about. All disciples are to do that. You are to instruct those that you have the privilege of leading to Christ about who Christ is and what Christ has done. That's why we nail so hard this idea that you need to be in Scripture, reading it, studying it, knowing it. That's why we have classes for it. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we do our microgroups and have people getting together and reading the Bible together because you need to know what Scripture teaches because you're going to have the privilege Of walking with those who don't know Christ as they come to Christ. So here's I was I've been raised in a church. And when Jesus said go to all the nations, my home church was really big on international missions. It it got it was really good at sending money out to the nations. But what I didn't quite get until I got older was that my nation is my nation the people around me are the people and so when we have the privilege and opportunity of leading someone to the lord it says i here's the gospel and we leave them hanging Or hey come to church and then you hear that they've accepted christ and then we hand them off to somebody else no we get the, we get the privilege you and i of those in our lives who come to christ we walk with them we teach them and we may not know everything because we won't know everything but then we learn that together with them. And again, I love the fact that I get to you know, lead people to the Lord in my office. I love the fact that I get to pray and people accept Christ here in the auditorium. But it's so much more of an energizing thing if you, as you tell people about who Jesus Christ is and they accept Christ, that you walk with them. The people in our church who are doing that, I haven't seen some spiritual growth And all my life is to watch people in our church walking with people, praying with people, reading Scripture together, learning Scripture together. We get to do that. So when do we do this? We do this as we're living life. That's what go, therefore, means. Because Jesus has all authority, we can go. As we live life, that's what that means. It's a participle. It means it's it's something that continuously happens. As we live life, Life as we go through our daily responsibilities, how we talk, how we respond, how we connect with people and whatever their needs might be. See, the gospel isn't part of our life. The gospel is our life. It's why we have life, because of what Christ has done. And so it becomes our life. We live it out. We're no longer going to work because we want to you know, get a promotion or make more money. That's not why we're there anymore. We're there because we're representing Jesus Christ. We live in a community that we live in because we're representing Jesus Christ. We're in the families that we're in. We're married to whoever it is we're married to. The children that we have, the grandchildren we have, the great-grandchildren, whatever, God has us there because we are representing Jesus Christ. It is our life moving forward. And he says, you don't need to fear because I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. We're not going out alone. Jesus doesn't go, here, have fun with that. Sadly, again, sometimes we do that with people in our lives who come to Christ. We have somebody else take care of. Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to be with you always. The second motivational thing is this, that it takes prayer. Look look what Jesus says in Matthew 9. He says Jesus was going. So as Jesus was going, as, as he was living life, as he walked around through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, it's, that's the gospel, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Again, meeting people's needs. Seeing the people. And that word seeing means he, he really took notice. He was really focused in on who these people are and what's going on in their lives. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed. And this is a spiritual thing. This is being spiritually weary. These people thought that they had to work their way to God, to be good enough to get to God. And so he saw that they were distressed because they were dispirited. They were hopeless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, so he sees all these people, and he turns to the twelve, and probably some others who were there with him were disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the Christians, those willing to share the message are few. It's almost like he was looking into the future and he saw the survey. He says, Therefore, beseech. Isn't that a great word? I beseech thee. Imagine going before God, you know, on your knees. I beseech thee. It's such a good, solid word. It means to plead with or to beg. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Beseech. Plead. Beg. Get on your knees before God and ask God, please send people to reach my people for Christ. This, I mean, this is just not. You know, uh, Lord, you know, pray for so-and-so and ask you to uh, take care of them. No, this is pleading. There's emotion here, there's there's passion, there's a fear that there are people in our lives, if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in hell for their sin. We're not going to. We've heard the message, we've accepted the message. We need to, to be praying and asking God begging him. We're commanded to do this as Christians. I, I mentioned last week, I had somebody asked me, you know, man, do you, when you're praying for people, do you end up uh, crying? Because that, that happened to me. And I'm like, yeah, this person had never experienced that before. But this is one of those people who has seen people in their lives put their faith in Christ, and now, now he's walking with them. And so now when he prays, there's, there's this is, huge burden on his heart that these people would truly know who jesus christ is and that others in his family would come to christ and it's starting to well up inside of him emotionally bringing tears to his eyes that's beseeching that's pleading that's begging god to work but here's the kicker we're not going to read it and i would encourage you when you get home to read matthew 10 because as soon as jesus gets done with that you know what he does he sends His disciples out to give the gospel. Matthew's telling us, hey, listen, you are commanded to pray. Jesus is saying, we are commanded to pray and beseech and plead and ask Him. But then that answer to that prayer is us. You and me. And so that beseeching, that pleading is not just for God to impact others for Christ through others, but through me, through you were the answer. Do you have your list? If, if I were to come over to your house, I won't do this, but if I were to come over to your house, could you pull out your list? You, you want to you come up? I've got a list. I can show you. I, I have Google Drive. I put it up on Google Drive. And I'm praying for people in our church who don't know Christ. I'm praying for my neighbors. I'm praying for family members, even family members that I can't reach other than through social media or a letter I guess I could call them too. Maybe we should do that. They don't speak real good English. Um, So hopefully, my dad was a lot better at it because he could speak Norwegian. Um, But we're to continually, passionately beg God for that. And so we pray. And this, to me, is probably the most motivational thing that we can pull from. And that's this next thing that it's a work of God through us. It's something that God does in and through us. Again, look what, look what Jesus says. This is, this is incredible stuff, that what Jesus is throwing down for us. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. So those desiring salvation will come to Jesus. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Jesus ensures that our salvation is a definite thing. We put our, place, our faith in him, and we are good to go. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him, God the Father, who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, talking about people, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him, and in other words, entrusts their spiritual life to Him, will have eternal life, and I myself, he says it again, will raise Him up on the last day. Look at this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That has this idea of you know, pulling with a rope, drawing people In, and I will raise him up on the last day. He says that three times. If you want to know if your salvation is secure in Christ, you better believe it, because Jesus says three times, "I'll I'll raise him up. I'm taking him to heaven." But it's God who draws us in. Now, why does why does God have to draw people to Himself? Look what Paul says in Romans three. This is how he explains it, and he goes back to the Old Testament. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous. In other words, no one is right before God. Every one of us is a sinner. Left to ourselves, we'd all spend eternity in hell because of our sin towards God. Our failure to obey. Not even one. There is none who understands. Speaking of spiritual things. There is none. I obviously emphasize that. But there is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless in a spiritual sense. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Why does God have to get personally involved in our salvation? Because left to ourselves, those in your life who have not come to Christ, left to themselves, they will not seek for God. Now, there are people who say, Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm religious. I go to church all the time. I believe God exists. Okay, it's not just believing God exists. Number one, it is not just going to a church. Number two, and those who don't see that they need Jesus Christ—if they're pursuing a God—it's a God of their own making. It's something. It's a. It's a God that they have um, created and they have defined and they have made so it fits who they are and what they think salvation is. But it's not Jesus Christ. It's not the God of the Bible. And so God knows our hearts. God knows where people are at. And he says, ultimately, nobody seeks after God in and of themselves. And so without God doing something in people's hearts to get them to notice him, people won't turn to him. So here's what Jesus says he does says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. So now he's, he's prepping the disciples. Hey, listen, I'm going to die and then I'll rise again and I'm going to go back to heaven. And so he's saying, I just want you to be aware of that. And they're kind of freaking out, right? If you're familiar with these passages, this is John 16. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, God, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So God, the Holy Spirit, is given to us, and, he, and he's given to us in a permanent way. When Jesus was on earth, yes, he knew everything, and he could heal people from a distance, but he was in one place at one time. God the Holy Spirit is every everywhere, fully, completely everywhere at one time, all the time. And so when we place our faith in Christ, God forgives us of our sins, gives us spiritual life, that's God the Holy Spirit. And he is with us permanently all the way through, eternity. And he, God, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, this, look, look what he does. Will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, why? Well, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, why? Because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, well, why? Well, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. And so the Holy Spirit, He comes and He does this work in people's lives. He's called the Helper. It has this idea of someone who um, comes alongside, or and it, it's it's kind of this mediator, almost like what, you know Jesus is our mediator, right? And so, but the Holy Spirit is also our mediator. He He helps people understand who God is. He's the one who's working in the hearts of people. See, we don't we can't change lives. We're not responsible to do that. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to to convict, to help people understand where they're seeing things incorrectly about sin. And the fact that they need Jesus Christ to be their substitute, to be the one who took God's wrath on their behalf. And concerning righteousness, and how do we do this life that God's called us to? Because Jesus isn't around. Well, the Holy Spirit's in us, and God's given us Christ's words, the Bible. And so between those two, we have an understanding of who God is. And concerning judgment, Satan has been judged. We place our faith in Christ. He's got no power unless we let him or let our flesh have control. But it's God the Son has all authority. God the Father draws people to Himself, and God the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts them. Help them understand what it is that they need to do. What's their step of faith that they need to take? In Matthew 13, we're not going to go there just yet, but in Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable of the, the sower and the seed. Are you familiar with that? The, the farmer who's out there, and he's taking seed, and he just, the way they did it back then, they didn't have any farm equipment, and people used to walk through... Uh, the fields, and so they would just take seed, and they'd just throw it wherever they would go, just kind of walk along, and wherever it went, it went. And back in the day when I was doing plowing and stuff, we'd you know, throw salt, and every time I think about it, I think of my boss saying, just feed the chickens. We want fat chickens. In other words, get the salt out there so people don't trip and fall. These guys were throwing seed wherever they, it landed in different places, and Jesus, which we'll read, goes on to explain these different soils, That the seed is going to land on. So, let's see what Jesus has to say. So, this is the explanation of the parable. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the gospel, and does not understand it, in other words, they don't think, you know, they don't need it, it's not for them, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one in whom the seed was sown besides the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word, the gospel, and immediately receives it with, with joy. They're, Woo, this is for me. This is something I need. And you had to sense it's very emotional, you know, need. I, I, they're excited about it. It has no firm root in itself or in himself. So, in other words, the acceptance wasn't genuine. He says, but it's only temporary. When the affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. He walks away from Christ. As soon as people start giving him a hard time for that faith, they kind of walk away. They were never truly saved. They never truly grabbed hold of it and made it a commitment in their life. It was just an emotional response to the message. And then... on the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word. And it the impact of the gospel salvation becomes unfruitful. Again, another one who's not genuinely saved because now the world is too important. We've talked about this. Christians who who say they're believers, and they fade away. And and we wonder where they've been. Where where are they at? Well, it's because the world has become too important. The way the world says to do life has become too important for them. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word, the gospel, and understands that he truly accepts it, who indeed bears fruit. So how do you know? How do you know someone's truly placed their faith in Christ? Well, he uh, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I think some pastors will soften this and say well there's spiritual growth that will happen and so then the, the christian goes oh whew. yeah i'm going to church and i'm reading the bible and i'm part of a bible study and i'm serving at church and and yeah, there's a, there's the the 30 60 100 fold you have to understand this is the kingdom he's talking all these parables in this section are about the parable in the, the of the kingdom the kingdom growing it's people coming to christ how do we know a person has truly placed their faith in Christ? Because they're going to be sharing that message with other people. We talk about it all the time. There's four things in a person's life that if they're, in God, if, they're, if they're in God's Word on their own, and they're praying, and they're studying God's Word, and they're wanting to know what God has to say for their lives, if they're connected in with a church family, we talked about this last week, where we are connected, we are together, we are worshiping together, serving together, which is the third one, serving and sharing their faith. That's what the Bible says a growing Christian is doing. And Jesus just got done explaining that. We have the message of salvation. Not just even salvation for eternity, which is awesome, but for a God who wants to walk with people in this earth as they go through their lives, giving them purpose as to what their life is to be about, which is about Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel. I'm telling you, if you're here this morning and you're, you say you're a Christian, but you're Christianity, you're kind of doubting it and wondering if this is really something for me. Is And I don't know. I, you know God, I hear the Bible talk about joy. And, and listen, one of the reasons why you're not experiencing what God wants for you to experience is that you're not sharing your faith. I'll guarantee you talk to any people in our church who are sharing their faith. And they'll tell you that there is nothing more joy-filled There's nothing more satisfying, nothing more challenging, but nothing more um, able to bring growth and excitement in their own spiritual life is to share the gospel with somebody and then to see them accept Christ and then to walk through that hard process of somebody giving their life over to Christ. It is not easy, but it is worth every single step. And a lot of Christians... Are missing out. And so what do we do? We, we throw the seed of the gospel. We just throw it wherever we're going. We talk about who Jesus Christ is. We tell people what's going on in our lives. We share with them how are we going through our difficulties. We talk about, man, yeah, what did you do this weekend? Well, I was out partying. I went over here, went to the football game in Ohio State and watched football on TV. Yes, yeah, so I did some, some of the same stuff and not all of it, but then I went to church and, man, I was right. Got together with a bunch of my friends at church and we had some really cool songs and my pastors, well, the songs are really good. And, you know, you just share with people what's going on in our church. We put stuff up on Facebook all the time and I see people in our church liking it. Don't just like it, share it. Put a message on your Facebook thread. I'm trying to be hip here knowing the terms and I I don't really know. But get it up on your page. Let people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, not just somebody who loves their grandkids or loves their spouse or their kids or or their work or their car. I made a mistake of getting onto a couple Corvette talk pages probably shouldn't have done that because now when i go on facebook i spend time scrolling through all these guys that have vets and anyways just, i'm not going to get one i just just you know kind of looking at them kind of cool I, you know waste of time offer to pray for people just talk to people find out what their needs are find out if there's ways that you can meet their needs it starts with action it actually starts with prayer. But in your conversation, it's just action. Just, just having a conversation. And then really listening like Jesus did to, to what's really behind what they're saying. Offering that. Because what's going to happen is if, if you're inviting people to church and if you're talking to people about what God's done in your life, and man, a real cool God thing happened. You start doing stuff like that, and pretty soon if nothing else, people are going to be like, oh, that's the person who I can go to for religious questions. because That's how I'll put it. Oh, you're a religious person? Well, technically not, but what do you got? You know, ask the question, feel free. Just get the ball rolling. Get before God, plead with Him for those who need Christ. Then you ask Him to help you do it. Before we get to takeaways, I've got a friend of mine down in Fremont, his name's Dave. Uh, We've been friends for 20 plus years. He prays for me every day. Um, and so I just want to let you hear what he has to say about how he does that.
1: Uh, I come, I've been here, Grace, for quite a long time, and I accepted Jesus in November of 1968 before I went in the military. And uh, the preacher was preaching. He had a revival, a kind of a dramatic preacher, and he's preaching Revelation, uh, talked about the first service and second coming of Christ and in the second that evening I went back and he preached on hell. I'd never heard a hell preached like that. I, I'll be honest with you I knew there's a heaven and a hell just like everybody else. I believe that that's put in people's hearts that there's a heaven and a hell but I needed the the life saver, and that was Jesus Christ. I don't want to see anybody go to hell, and so every chance I get, I try to uh, work a conversation. There's always opportunities to, to share if you're looking for them. I met a guy at a gym once said, you Christians, you're always trying to push your religion on people. I said, well, look at this. If you're driving down the road and there's road construction, isn't it, and there's a hole in the ground, isn't it really nice that you have signs and warning things? He said, well, yeah, that's all we do. We're just warning what lies ahead if you die without Christ. You know, he said, oh, well, that that makes sense. Uh, one of the ways I like to, as a starter, is I go to the Kroger store and people see my hat and I wear it on purpose because people come up, especially around Veterans Day, and uh, they'll say, well, thank you for your service. And I say, thank you for your support. And I said, oh, by the way, I'd like to invite you out to our church, Grace Community Church. And and here's here's an invite card. It's got the times on here. And here's a gospel track right here. And I make sure, I said, it's kind of humorous. But you find out that when you do this, that you're just like the rest of us, you know. But read the back. I went to the gym the other day, and there's two guys. Said, thank you for your service. And this guy, he'd been uh, done about two tours in Afghanistan. Another guy got run over by a jeep, but I it, had a chance to, to give him a card and give him a gospel track. A study was done, and it said that only 3% of professing Christians share their faith. Charles Spurgeon said, if you're not concerned about the lost, you're not saved. You know, when we share our faith, you know what we're doing? If people can get mad at us, we're just messengers. They get mad at us. We're just telling them what God said. We we are out to see people get saved so they don't have to go so they don't go to hell cuz once they're there when they close their eyes for the last time they'll be standing for an almighty God and that's where they'll be. And never a chance to get out. If people look for opportunities, they are there. This is this is really who I am. I'm Yeah, I lift weights as a welder, but I like to share my faith. I like to tell people about Christ for what he's done for me, because I don't deserve it. And Dave does it. Uh,
0: He's awesome with that. I love that. It's who I am. It's part of his life. It's what he does. And, And we have the responsibility and opportunity as Christians... To do that. So our takeaways. Well, the takeaway is Christians team up with God to share the gospel. I mean, it's pretty obvious, pretty clear. But how do we do that? Let me just, I want you to take some time this week and just kind of think. Think about what your life would have been like if you had never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I think it's important for us to remember back, remember when, Remember how life was going, what God saved you from—not just eternity, but in your life—and and then what will happen to those in your life if you don't share? I mean, you can hand the responsibility off to somebody else. God's going to draw them, but it'd be awesome if you had the privilege and the opportunity. Secondly, pray. I hope you have a list, and just pray, beg, plead ask God to not only draw them to Christ, but to use you to do that. And like Dave said, and Jesus demonstrated, just look around. If you start praying that, you're going to start seeing the needs, the way of bringing a conversation around to Jesus Christ, what to to say at that moment. You may have to pray for a little extra prayer, Lord, give me the motivation to do it. And then, as we've talked about, God energizes our energy. He strengthens our our strength, and then invite. That's the easiest thing for you to do. Invite somebody to church. Have them come, hang out with you here, take them out for lunch afterwards. If you're like, well, I we don't have the money to do it, we'll pay for it. Not Kim and me. I mean, the church family, will get together, we'll put it on the budget, you know. Just invite somebody to church. We've got a series coming up called Recalibrate, and it's talking about the will of God, and what if you missed the will of God, and how does that work in our lives? People love to figure out is, is God uh, in total control? I mean, it's a great question you can ask this week. Ask your coworkers and neighbors, hey, do you, do you think God is like in total control, like you have no free will? And they'll be like, well, you know, you guys have to debate. You say, look, we're going to be talking about that at church. You should come in and hear that. It's a great opportunity to invite people out. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, first of all, thank you so much for our salvation. But the incredible pain that Jesus went through, the, the uh, agony of not just physical, but then the spiritual agony, that separation from you, which again is just, it's, it's so hard for us as humans to understand. And that he did that willingly. He, did, he said, I, I give up my body. I'm offering to do this. And he did it for us. We, we just don't deserve it. But thank you. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just keep us unsettled until we are obedient to doing what you've called us to do. And that is to share our faith, first through how we live out our lives, and then with the words that are going to have to come as well. And then as we see people come to Christ, that we can walk with them. And as they grow in their faith, we're going to be growing in ours as well. Thank you for allowing that to be a part of the process, our own spiritual process. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Go ahead and represent Christ.